No, oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a really nice beer. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. Watch for deer. It has all the Michigan sayings on the sides of it. Watch for deer. Ooh, that's really good. Just going to sneak past you. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, no, for dude, sure. That's funny. Yeah, no, totally. For sure. Just that's really, dude, that's down. great advertising. Like, they nailed the Midwestern sayings. It's a really nice beer. It's a good beer, too. When you're sitting in a podcast studio and it's 95 degrees, you know, it's a good drink. Well, some 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 would call it a sauna. It is. It is. But we call it a podcasting a room. post-run sauna. We did a nice little two and a half mile <sighs> that was jog fun. today. It was a slow jog. It was a slow jog. KB took off. She did, but, you know, yeah. we, Devereaux Screw just kind of held us back. Dude, I like D. You do. D's, D's running at my pace. Not only in the run, but in life. Have some cookie. Yeah. Perfect you're, time. You to wait until I <laughs> bite of the cookie. Perfect time. Bite of the cookie. Welcome to the Mark Explains podcast where I eat cookies uh, to start the podcast. Um, cookies and drink beer. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, no. No, let's do it. Dude, I'm so glad that we are finally doing this. Cheers. I uh, I lived with you for like a year. Yeah, you did. In the midst of the podcast and we never did one. And I never wanted a roommate. <laughs> The whole time, not the whole time, but leading up until that, um, you know, I had the house by myself. And did you always live by yourself? Most of the time, yeah. Really? Yeah. Did, you didn't have like, well, you had roommates through college and stuff, but you, like, not since then. Other than you know some partners maybe, but not full time <laughs> people that lived with me. Um, outside not of other, like not roommates, not roommates. Outside of significant others, correct? Right. So I I remember coming back in to. Uh, Michigan. So I, I grew up in Michigan and then I moved away. I've moved away a bunch of times. This most recent time I lived in Colorado for a year and I came back and moved to Grand Rapids. And when I first came to Grand Rapids, I started going to, um, I'm a CrossFitter. Uh, those that listen, they know this. Uh, but for those new listeners, welcome. Uh, I'm a CrossFitter, a lot like uh, T and um, went to CrossFit Grand Rapids for like a month and it, when I went there, it was, it just wasn't really friendly. It just, it did like, sometimes you fit in and sometimes you don't. And the people there just, it just, I didn't jive with them at all. So I left and found a place, dude, I don't know if I ever told you this. I found Luminary because of a, uh, it, a Facebook ad. Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 The owner was pumping lots of money into Facebook ads at that time. For sure. That's how I found it. And actually it wasn't even a, an ad for CrossFit. It was, I don't know. It was like a boot camp, maybe mm -hmm. or something like that. But I saw it was at a CrossFit gym and I was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just drop in. <clears throat> and I dropped in and you were like the first person to meet me, you and Aaron Norris. And, uh, that night had friended me on, on Facebook. And I was like, you know what? These are my people. Yeah. And that's, that's how I started. Dude, that was three years ago this month. Nice. Yeah. So cheers Wild. to th three years of friendship because then shortly after <laughs> we became roommates. <laughs> yep. And my first memory of you is um, it's either Miley Cyrus. Oh, yeah. Party in the USA or um, what's the Big Sean song? The Big Sean song? What? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the um, fuck. Oh. Fuck, here we go. Where's what's the, the name of that? Where's what's the, the name of the song? I don't fuck with you. Yeah, I was like, "Yep, that's he. Yep, we can work out together." <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that song. It gets me. It, that's like the 2020 version of the uh, Eminem song, uh, "Lose Yourself." I just feel like it's the new one. It's just so good. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just good. It's just a good song. So we ended up moving in together <laughs> because I needed a place to stay and you yep. never wanted a roommate. D- dude, like roommates can go one of two ways. Um, back when I lived in, in Holt, I initially had a, um, a roommate, Nick, and I didn't know him and we became like best friends. Nice. And then I had a roommate after him named Steven. We were best friends before he moved in and we have not talked <laughs> since we lived together. I had a roommate in Virginia when I was living down uh, at this place called Wintergreen Resort, and it was a guy that got a job at the resort recently, needed a place to stay. He was okay. He paid his rent for the most part, and you know he had a thing where like he would disappear for a couple days, and we hadn't seen him in a couple days. His bedroom door was closed, and so finally, like after three days or so, me and one of the other roommates in the house was like... I don't even remember his name, but like, have you, have you seen him? I'm like, nope. Open up the door. All his shit is gone. What? Yeah. He had moved out of the house. and it didn't like, say anything? Didn't say anything. And, you know, owed like $600 in rent. Oh, shit. Called his parents because I had his parents' number. They were like, yeah, we don't know where he is. Oh, shit. So that didn't happen with us, fortunately. <laughs> no, I, it was it was good. We had a good, we had a pandemic. I was going to say a little thing called quarantine happened yeah. shortly after we moved in together. Because I moved in in February? Of 2020, January, January, yeah. February. Yeah. And then it was like March, boom, pandemic. Uh-huh. And then it was like, I guess, I guess we're doing yes, this. We're thing. staying this. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I, it was pretty much through the whole year. And then you helped me find a house. <laughs> yep. And then you bought a house. Yep. Yeah. So for those that uh, don't know who Terrence is, uh, best friend, also real estate agent. And uh, I'm not, I'm kind of nomadic. I don't, I don't really buy houses. I don't really settle down. That's not really who I am. Um, but I thought I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like, you know what? I'm almost 40. It's I need to appeal to females if I want to like, get a stable relationship of some kind. So I was like, I'll buy a house. That's what you do. You buy a house, you get a dog, fence, you know, the white picket, white picket what, fence, whatever. Kids. Yep. Yeah, I wanted that. Well, I thought I did. Um, <laughs> so literally the day after you bought it. I think you started ripping out carpet with the intentions of like, I'm just going to flip this. I don't want this house. <laughs> it was so pretty accurate. It was so fast. So the house was in DeWitt. Oh yeah. North side of Lansing. North side of Lansing. For those that don't know. Oh man. Bought it for $200,000. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Even right on the number. I remember it had been on the market for a couple days. I think the list price was 204. We offered 195. Did we? Yeah. And they counted, they counted it up, to, up 200 even. Yep. And yeah, within a couple of days you were flipping it. Yeah, it was, I, I moved in January 7th. It was that night, actually. I, I just didn't send you pictures. <laughs> Until the next day. Right. Well, you know, I just, I, I like to work on things. I like, like, I like to fix things like projects, but if something is like immediately right in front of me, I'm just going to work on that thing, you know, at every minute that I have. So it's actually a really good thing. And probably distracted me from other things that that was a tough year that last year was a tough year for me i think we can all agree on that yeah that was a tough two years yeah it's been a tough couple years um but dude it's like i i I never told you the experiences of what i was going through when i was going through i just i think i I sent you pictures occasionally Mm -hmm. um of the house uh, did, did you listen to the podcast? Uh, I think KB did. You did. You listened to the. I know that it's been out. Um, yeah. Well, I, li- I, I, I did a podcast uh, on paranormal activity. Oh, yeah, with Julie. 
Yes, I did one with Julie, and then I actually got to interview a different um, a guy that was out in Phoenix. He does tours out in like Sedona and stuff. It's really cool. Um, and I told the story about how my old house was haunted, and KB she texts me just randomly because I had been out for like a month or so. She's like, "You didn't tell me about your house," and I was like, "What about it?" Um, dude, that house. Did, did you did you listen to the podcast? Do you have do you not know to anything? that part? I got no. I listened to the part with Julie. Oh man, okay. I was in Florida, and I think I got distracted. Oh, okay. So uh, I'll tell you a quick story because, um, but like, I my, my life has always had like a propensity for, you know, like spiritual or paranormal things. Like I always find that shit somehow and I don't know why I don't know why it's my life I don't know why those things happen but it does it happens every single time and uh, I I remember I was driving from your house on the seventh the day the closing day I had the keys I was on my way and I had the one last car load and I, I was like 10 minutes out almost there and I had just this gut feeling and I was just like Mark don't overplay this don't be ridiculous and so I, 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 I was, I was like toning myself down. Um, and I get to the house and everything was fine. And I fill up the air mattress cause I was sleeping in the basement cause I didn't even have a bed yet. I had nothing, literally nothing. Um, just sleeping on an air mattress, waiting for my stuff to arrive. Cause I ordered a bed, ordered stuff, but I didn't have it yet. And so I was sleeping on the air mattress and I lay down in the bed and, uh, in the first 10 minutes of staying there, um, I was started to go, or to first 10 minutes of me going to sleep, I'm like starting to fade out and I hear like, like this bang, like a door slam or something. And it was like, shook me out of sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, somebody's breaking in. Like, oh shit. First night here, somebody's breaking in. And so I ran upstairs and turned the lights and there's just nothing. There's the doors aren't open. There's no windows broken. And I was like, what, what the fuck was that? Like, I don't know what it was. And so I'm like, I, maybe it was just, maybe I was dreaming. Like maybe it was just dream world. So I went back downstairs, fell asleep again. And then I woke back up or uh, I fell back asleep. And then I didn't even get back asleep. And I, I, I heard a door, like it was a door and it slammed. And then distinct like footsteps down oh, Jesus. the hall. And I'm like, there's no way that somebody broke in a second time. And I'm like, okay. There, this house is haunted, like straight haunted, like Damn. way different than old experiences when I was a kid, night one. And they, like, they started like running back and forth. And I didn't, like, I didn't know what to, like, what do you do? I didn't know what to do. So I, I literally just, I was like, stop. Like, I yelled <laughs> and they stopped. Oh my God. And then I fell asleep. Like I, just, I eventually fell asleep. They listened. They were polite. <clears throat> I think they were just getting my attention. They just wanted to get my attention. Whatever they mean. New owner, yep. right? And and it was like every two or three nights I'd hear them again, and they'd come back, and I just I would yell at them, and t until there came a point where I just got used to them, and then it was just like I was coexisting, mm -hmm. and it was wild. Dude, it was wild experience. Well, you don't have to disclose that on the disclosures. So you don't. This is previously haunted. You don't have to talk. See, about I thought that. you. Nope. I thought you had to. Nope. Do you have to? Do you have to disclose if you're selling a house if somebody's been like murdered, or dies? No. You don't. No. Not in Michigan, anyways. No. Nope. Not in Michigan. Really. Correct. So somebody could have died in that house, possibly. <laughs> and they're still there. <laughs> but so and then you put in all the work, finished oh, all gosh. the work, finished yeah. all the renovations. January, I finished everything by October. And, yep. or uh, September really was finishing it up. We listed it September something and we got an offer September 29th and I closed a month later, October 29th. $285,000. Yep. In a year. So uh, you made I put in about 18 grand. 
Yep. Yep. I did all the work myself except for the tile shower and the fireplace. I put it in a fireplace, but my buddy came in. He did the, he did the stonework. Um, <laughs> thank God. I did. That was a nightmare watching him do that. Do not want to do stonework. Tile's hard. Tile's Pretty hard. Pretty good investment, though. Yeah, yeah. I First and probably last uh, flip I'll ever do. Be, I think that was, what, that was one of your first questions to me was like, so are you, like, you do good. Are you going to do this again? I was like, nah. Nope. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. That was a nightmare, man. But, you know, hats off to everyone, anyone who does that. Um, but, like, you, that was a complete renovation. Every wall, every ceiling, every floor, it all needed to be redone. Um, but, like, w- if somebody is looking at redoing their house or maybe part of their house, like, what's the best uh, mm. quick remodel that they they could do to get their best money worth right. in trying to sell a house to, like, boost their value? Good question. Um, so I talked about this not too long ago um, and put it up on Instagram as a story and some question marks to ask people. Most people think... It's the kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah. That's where my mind goes. But if you're talking like actual return on investment, you know, if you put sixty, seventy thousand dollars into your kitchen, you're not gonna be able to get that money back per se. Right. You know, you might get fifty, sixty percent of it back. One of the top things that you can do to your house for a return on investment, for a quick investment, is garage doors. Update garage your garage door? doors. Yep. Oh shit, I didn't do because that. when you figure they're yeah, you didn't. <laughs> they, were, they were pretty ugly. It was so, why didn't you tell me? I didn't know it at the time, maybe. Oh, man. So, because you figure that garage doors are $3,000 or yeah. something. But it makes such a big impression when you're looking at the house online. You know, when you're looking at exterior pictures and it's got brand new, beautiful garage doors. So, they cost, you know, three to $4,000. Yeah. So, you're going to be able to get that money back. You know, that's that's where the thing is. You know, there's there's a difference of buyer perceived value versus, you know, actual value return on investment. You know, if you spend the money on a kitchen, it's going to be gorgeous and the buyers are going to love it, but you're not going to make 100% of that money back. So if you're talking about, you know, ways to add value to your house, depending on what you're, depending on what you're actually talking about, you know, just because you spend X on your house doesn't mean you're going to get it back. Right. I painted my garage because it was like yellow. Yeah. And Your I house was really ugly. It was all it yellow was and ugly. like a burnt red. Yep. Terrible and, color. You know, one of the things, as you you did this amazing remodel on the outside, on the inside, sorry. And, you know, one of the last conversations we had, like yep. two weeks prior to list, where yep. Kelsey and I were like, you need to update and facelift <laughs> the front of your house. And that was like, especially when you're uh, going, especially if you've bought something and you're going to resell it within a year or two, uh, because real estate agents and buyers are going to go look up the previous listings on Zillow or on the MLS. And they're going to see like, literally the outside of the house hasn't changed, but the price you bought it for $200,000 less than a year ago. And now the price tags 285, you know, just well, because you did you the do? inside. Yeah, right. exactly. You'll get the inside, but you want to be able to make a, you know, impression a new outside. So you painted yeah. the siding. I did painted, it. I know you did. I know you did. I would say though, if you want to paint your house and you've never painted before, hire someone. Yeah. Or at least somebody that's done it like a couple of times because I did it myself. I went to Lowe's and bought a sprayer 
and a five-gallon bucket of exterior paint. On a windy day. On a windy day. Oh, many windy days. It was like mm-hmm. a, over a period of three days. The The first base coat where I was just painting the bulk of it was so smooth. And then it was like time to paint the white and time to paint like the trim and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know how to cut in. I know how to cut in on like a... Like the the in like interior of a house, I don't know how to cut in around like gutters and stuff. So I was like trying to figure that stuff out on a whim. I'm positive I could have just looked up a YouTube video, but I was in such a rush, so I uh, did it all myself. Um, I would say the paint job was probably like a four out of ten. But from, I agree with that. From the road, ten of ten. <laughs> it looked so good from the road. 30 feet away, driving 30 miles an hour. It looked great. All right, so there's that. Yeah. Nope, that's, that's, that's the new you, one. That's the new one. That's I want to start with Oh, the old the one? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Go. Yeah, like that burnt yellow. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so weird looking at that now. Such yeah. a such a weird. See the hose? That I didn't I didn't touch the hose the entire time <laughs> the entire I lived there. I gave that to the next person, actually. Um, that was my gift to them. Um. So this is the before. Yeah, it actually looks good. We'll put these in the show notes for those listening on Spotify. And then... Where's the new one? Oh, man. Reagan, you're going to have to... Reagan's our camera guy. You need to... uh, Like, look how much better that looks. Right? I did that. I did that, bro. Look how good that looks. New garage door-ish. Ish, yeah. You painted it white. Big difference. You now, know, that if, helps. The if you blue. look close... If, if you look close up by the chimney near the top, I may have sprayed that blue. Whoopsie doozy. Yeah. Uh, and I learned quickly that if you spray brick, there is no, no coming, back. coming back from no. that. There's some white. Little white down there. White, you but, know. you know, honestly, all in all, I'd say that's a good color. Good match. Good job, me. Uh, ooh, that front looks good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's so show people the work you did inside, too. There's the hot tub and the uh, cold plunge. I put a I put a hardwired hot tub in and put an ice chest that I turned into a, 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 like a cold bath, kept it like 50 degrees. The yard was big, didn't do anything to that. Uh, put in new, like the new, the old, that was old flooring that was refurbished. It was underneath carpet. The carpet had been there for 60 years. So you tore, yeah, you tore the wall out where this kitchen island is, was originally the kitchen was a walled off here. You knocked down that, opened it up. Put all recessed lighting in. Put the fireplace in. That's, that fireplace wasn't there. No, it's, it's uh, a gas fireplace. I built that light fixture out of just some fucking one buys. That was fun. I saw that on Pinterest and it was $300. I'm like, I can build that. I mean, it took me all day. I really like this backsplash you did. That was super unique. You like that? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was that was like a last minute. I needed a backsplash, and that was leftover tile from the shower. <laughs> and I was like, I think I can make this work. That's wild. And I did that. And I'm not kidding you. I did the backsplash in 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I just I I used like the quick caulk um, because it's not it doesn't need to be watertight or anything. I just needed it to stick to the wall. So I used like that uh, quick caulk. I like whatever glue stuff and I just glued pieces, pushed them against the wall, waited, waited a day and then grouted it. And it was totally unique. One of a kind. Looks good. Yeah. I like it. Built in wine fridge. That was a nice touch. Thanks. I, I got that off. Uh, that was a Facebook marketplace find. Updated the bathrooms. Yep. Built a nice master suite. Yeah. The bedroom was, that was a nightmare. Gosh. Yeah. Like I, Built walls, built, it was like none of that existed. The The bathroom didn't exist. The shower, none of it existed. All new plumbing. 
That oh, shower was really good. Yeah, the I'm showers. surprised that we don't have a better close-up picture of that pitch. But. I I have lots of pictures of that. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. So you bought this for two hundred, made these updates, sold it for two eighty-five. You put how much did you say into it? About eighteen grand, just 18 over eighteen grand. grand into you did it. all the work yourself. Yeah, I like physically every single thing myself. I learned a lot. I shocked myself. Uh, I think eight times. Uh, putting in uh, like the lighting mostly. And the reason why is because the electrical panel was so beautifully labeled, but also completely incorrect. <laughs> it was like kitchen kitchen lighting. I'm like, dope, turn, turn that off. off. Oh, shit. And then, and like all the kitchen lighting was off, but one light bulb for some reason was still hot. On a different circuit. Yep. And I, I can't tell you how many times I, and I, like there came a point where I was like, getting mad. Um, also climbing around in that attic in the summer was just about the worst thing oh, I've for ever the lighting. Done. Oh my gosh. It was terrible. Cause it's like real low ceilings and it's stuffy. It was probably 110, 115 degrees up there. Yeah. Ugh, mm. That was fun. So yeah, never again. Am I going to do that? I'll probably just do something else. You know me. Mm-hmm. Um, what got you into real estate though, dude? I mean, cause like you come yeah. from what the, the three, one, three. Is it? No, the five one six. Five one. There we go. Oh, three one three is Miami. Three one three. No, three. Three one three is Detroit. Oh, it's Detroit. Wow. I don't know my area codes. Apparently, Pitbull uh, is Miami. I forget what that is. Three oh five. Three oh five. Three oh five. Mister three oh five. Yeah. There. No. There. Five one six. Long Island, New York. Long. Shout out. Shout out. CrossFit five one six. You know, I always I, like whenever I hear anything about Long Island, I think of Schmidt in that in that scene. Yes. Uh, from from Long Island. Island, baby. Long Island Railroad. Long Island. Five one six exactly. Represent. That's stored on my phone, and I watch it every once it's in a while. So fu- it's a dirty old bitch. <laughs> just for dirt, just for good measure, you dirty old bitch. <laughs> it's so funny, yeah, dude. So, like, when did you move to Michigan? So I moved to Michigan in 2012. Uh, I went to Penn State for turf grass management. So I was in golf course management, high end private country club management, basically. From the before I went, even went how to college. Do you, how do you land on that? So my father, that's what my dad did. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So he was a lifelong golf course superintendent. Started working for him when I was like 14. Um, you know, got into it, really enjoyed it. Went to Penn State for it. Put in a lot of years grinding on golf courses. Seven days a week sometimes, all summer long. Didn't really care for it anymore. Moved to Michigan and I got a job. Were literally like the week that I decided I was going to move to Michigan. So my brother had been here for like 10 years at that point. And I had visited throughout and just known that it was a cool city, good beer, good live music. Um, and I was like, you know, if it ever comes to the point where I need to leave Long Island, I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So I made that choice and I look on Craigslist, literally on Craigslist because this was like 2012 and found an advertisement for a groundskeeper at the Grand Rapids Dominican Sisters. <laughs> and so I call my brother and, you know, I'm like, hey, there's this job. And it's like, looking at the map, it looks like it's not far from your house. You know, do you know anything about this place? And he's like, he's like, no, you know, I don't really know anything about it. And then it calls me back like five minutes later. He's like, oh, yeah, that's exactly, you know, where my kids go to daycare on, mm-hmm. the, on those grounds. Um, so it was Grand Rapids Dominican Sisters. This is a nun convent, basically. <laughs> Um, with, you know, like a hundred nuns that live there. Um, they don't wear the Hobbit or anything. Hobbit? Hobbit? Ooh, I, Hobbit. I don't know yeah. what it's called. So they're not dressed like nuns. Um, they're a very relaxed, 
amazing to work for. So I took care of those grounds for like five years and I was getting kind of bored with it. One night I'm out with my brother getting some beers actually. So funny story where we pull up to seven monks in Grand Rapids yeah. and I think he was reaching for something in the back of my car before he got out and a 35 pound kettlebell just happened to be in the back of my truck and it falls onto his toe. Oh gosh. And literally broke his oh, toe. Yeah. And like, um, like I think it was a night there was a Michigan, Michigan state football game on or something. So like my like, dude, if it's a broken toe, we're not doing anything anyway. Yeah. So let's go in and get some beer. So we're like over the course of the conversation comes up like, Hey, so he was working for a real estate company at the time as a COO. Basically he was in charge of, human resources, hiring, firing, stuff like that. And he had just gotten that promotion. And he was like, hey, did I tell you about this? You know, that now I'm in charge of like recruiting agents. Hmm. Is that something you'd ever be interested in? And like without hesitation, it was like, yes. Hmm. So I had, you know, bought two houses at that point. Um, I had bought one house and then bought a second house, sold as, um, and I just, the experience was not, I remember it, you know, buying a house. I never felt like anything was explained to me mm. properly. Um, there was, you know, I felt like I just remember certain things about the process where like, you know, that was interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I could do it better or differently or help people in a different way. Mm. And so literally like that, it, the decision was made right there. Um, I think within a couple of weeks I put in, I did the 40 hour, it's a 40 hour on, I did it in person, but that's the barrier to entry for real for estate license. is a licensing is 40 hours uh, hmm. in person or online. So there's a pretty low barrier to entry to become a real estate agent. It's not that expensive to take the test. It's a few hundred dollars. A few hundred bucks. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I was flung into the world of real estate <clears throat> and, you know, I you were, in, you were in Grand Rapids in Grand Rapids. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. So I had been coaching at CrossFit Luminary where we met for, I think three years at that point prior to getting into real estate. And one of the first things that real estate companies teach you to do is called building your database or your sphere, your sphere of influence, right? You know, put together a list of every person, you know, their name, their phone number, contact them, you know, whether it's social media or phone number, you know, tell them, Hey, I'm into real estate. You know, I just got my license. If anyone, you know, you know, needs to buy or sell, I'd love to help them out. Right. Really tough call to make to somebody, you know, so I think I've called like 200 people <laughs> and everyone was super supportive. And actually one person I remember, you know, down the line was like, Hey, I'm actually, you know, thinking about selling my house in like three months. So you were like cold calling cold calling, like but people, school. you know, like, but people, you know, so it's a warm call. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they know who you are, but you're calling on business. Like you're interrupting their day, Yeah. you know? So the one person turned into it, like I did sell her house. It was Lydia Henning Oh, Lydia from five thirty AM CrossFit class. So she's my first, Lydia. shout out Lydia. She was my first client. Um, and then I think I sold another house that was a, a lead from the team. So my third listing was for Dave Distel, um, East Grand Rapids, gorgeous, gorgeous house. And he had a relationship with my company previously. Okay. So for him, it was really easy to say, hey, Terrence, I trust you. You know, the team that I was working with at that time was a great team and had a solid relationship in East Grand Rapids. 
um, he actually knew my boss at that time. So, and that one sold in like a day and that, really? and that was instant credibility. So <sighs> when I would come to the gym, you know, coaching classes, people would be asking like, Hey, how's real estate going? How's real estate going? It's like, well, awesome. You know, just sold Dave Distel's house in East Grand Rapids for, you know, a million dollars, a million dollars. Insane. Um, and then it just continued to snowball. So, you know, I think by this point now, flat, uh, fast forward four full years. So you're four years in. Four years in. And just from that gym alone, from CrossFit Luminary, I think it's been like 45 deals. Just from the gym. Just from the gym. Either people that went to the gym or people from the gym that referred me <laughs> to their friends or family. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely wild. What, was there any really hard years in there or points that you thought you were going to give up? So the hardest years were, um, I would say the second year. Cause that's where typically people don't make it right. Yeah. The, the fallout rate on real estate agents is like something like 87% don't make it past year two. That's insane. Yeah. Because there's such a low barrier to entry. People think they're going to get in it, have a bunch of fun, help their friends buy and sell houses. Um, and you know, when the market conditions are challenging, it's a hard business. You know, it's, it's a lot of work. People, how do you generate new leads? I mean, like at this point you're more or less sustainable. Things are coming to you organically, mm -hmm. but like it, it, from my side, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I have no idea how people find you. I mean, it is, I mean, grossly word of mouth. A, yeah. a lot of people know you because they know somebody that sold their house. I mean, like for me, I'll talk about my real estate experience with you because you bought and sold two houses and you had tons of questions. It was the simplest uh, deal I have ever done in my life. You did every bit. Well, you and KB did every bit of the work. I remember you would just email me. You'd be like, hey, sign this. And I'm like, okay. And I just, I'd sign it with my phone, send it back. We, we explained those documents, right though? You knew what you were signing. A hundred percent. I knew, I knew. Just sign this. Here I, we go. I, I know. I say it uh, facetiously, but it's, it's, it's like, yes, of course you, it was so easy. It was like, I, I thought it was going to be a nightmare. So the process can be incredibly stressful. And of course. Our job as an agent is to take on that stress, deal with all the stuff behind the scenes and not really let the client know so much sometimes. And you did. So there was another case where I was helping Tyler Shear and mm -hmm. Olivia buy their house. And they fell in love with this property. We put an offer in on it. It got accepted. And the agent that was selling the house, the listing agent, calls me like the next day and is just like, hey, just wanted to let you know, like, the seller has instant remorse and does not want to sell this house. Oh, jeez. So, you know, do not give her an opportunity to get out. Right. Oh, so an opportunity to get out would be if we had the inspections and we asked, you know, for a price reduction or anything like that would open up the contract again. Yep. I never told them that, you know, so they didn't know. Um, and then everything kept going and she just kept telling me, the agent kept telling me like, you know, she's in my office. She's every day just like trying to do anything she can get out of this to sell it. You know, she doesn't want to sell it. Like, well, you know, we've got this contract, the signed purchase agreement, you know, there, there's not much she can do at this point. You know, if she doesn't want to sell it, this is a legally enforceable contract and there are legal ramifications, which involve the seller paying for the attorney fees for the buyer and for my broker if mm. needed. Mm. So it's, um, gosh, specific performance. So when a, if a seller were to refuse to sell the house, the buyer can sue for 
it's called specific performance because they're not agreeing to this fully executed purchase agreement and the terms of this right. purchase agreement. So you're not suing for money. You're not suing for you're just suing anything. To get you're suing to get into the house. Exactly. Uh, so I remember she didn't show up for closing. So, um, I don't blame her. Yeah. Closing. She was trying to get out of it. So, I mean, I had already contacted real estate attorneys, you know, had everything ready to go. Um, yeah. And the agent calls me like, she didn't show up for closing. So, you know, we're, talking behind the scenes and threatening lawsuits and buyers have no idea at this <laughs> point. And, you know, well, they knew at this point because she didn't show up to closing. They showed up to closing. They signed their papers, but the seller didn't. And, you know, after one night, um, I think it was the next day, finally, you know, after the threat of legal action that she did, she ended up coming to closing and excuse me. So this is, this brings up an interesting topic to me because like, I, I know, I know, I know some, I try to, you know, gather as much information about this stuff. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm completely, you know, out of the loop when I'm trying to, you know, when I was purchasing, purchasing the house, like you and KB make it, made it so simple for me. Like obviously it kept me in the loop, but it was, it was just like, I didn't, I never had to, like, that was nothing I worried about. I worried about a lot of other things, but I'd never once worried about listing the house, buying the house. Um, but once a house is under contract, um, who's obligated to the contract? I mean, can can the buyer back out at any time for any reason? Or Yeah, so the buyer has a pretty easy out. Obviously, if they're doing inspections, there's a 10-day inspection period, and the buyer can back out, you know, basically for, for, anything. for anything. Yeah, they don't, even, they don't even have to share a reason. It's, you know, obviously, as the agents, we want them to share some sort of reason other than they just got cold feet. Yeah. But the buyer can back out during that point and basically not lose anything. Hmm. Once you get through the inspection period and then the the lender, if there is a lender, if they're financing it, orders the appraisal. As long as the appraisal comes back at value, then the deal is moving on to the closing table. You know, so from the time you put that offer in to the closing is 30 days. If a buyer gets cold feet and wants to get out of the deal after inspections, after appraisal, they can, but they're going to forfeit that earnest money deposit, gotcha. which is generally 1% of the purchase price. So not terrible, but... Not terrible. Nope. Where so do, Where does know, that money go? Goes to the seller. It goes to the seller. Yep. For their troubles or whatever. For their troubles, their house wasn't sold, and now they got to go back on the market. Gotcha. So generally, it's 1%. In this market that we're in right now, buyers are offering... Five, ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. It just shows that they've got skin in the game and they're not gonna back out, you know, a week before closing. Because the, the Because the money's bigger. It, and and this is a seller's market right now? Yes. One hundred percent. We've been in a seller's market for a long time. Is it shifting? No. It's not shifting yet. It's shifting slightly. So there's actual like terms that dis that, you know, dictate a seller's market and it's the amount of inventory that we have it's called months um the absorption rate gotcha so if no new houses were to be listed today going forward how long would it take for the current supply to run out given the amount of buyers there are in the market right now in grand rapids in the metro grand rapids it's like under a month it's like half a month <laughs> a seller's mar a buyer's market would be like four to six months of inventory oh geez yeah a neutral market, maybe. There's not really such thing as a neutral market, but two to three months of inventory would be, you know, nice enough where it's like 
every house, you know, it might sit on the market for two weeks, but there's not the insane amount of demand that there is right now. Um, you know, we are just like in this really skewed supply and demand right now where the supply of inventory of homes is just so low and the demand for homes is all time high. So is, it, like, is it low because people don't want to sell their house? Or I mean, cause I feel like if you have a house that you purchased in 2016 or 2014, I mean, it's not a far stretch to say that your house has probably doubled in value at the time. I know my sister's has mm -hmm. uh, in Muskegon. I, I don't know what she bought it for. I want to say like the high 100s, but I think it was uh, appraised near 300. And, and so she's nearly doubled her value, but sh she's not selling right now. But I mean, actually, she's selling pretty soon. I met with her. Uh, well, I, <laughs> well I, I know you I know you met with her. I think she's kind of back and forth. I know it's preliminary. Um for for her and for you, I hope she does. Uh, because like she can make some, she can make great money from that. But if you sell your house, are you so the problem is there's a couple of reasons behind the supply why it's so low. In the late 2000s, during the the crash, obviously new construction basically came to a halt. So we were not building new houses for you know three or four years. The late 2008, 2009, 2010. I mean, construction just wasn't happening. So there was this huge crash. So we fell behind in the amount of homes that are existing. It was building back up, you know, after for the last couple of years, it's been new construction has been on the rise. Then the pandemic happened. Oh. Then there's labor supply, labor issues, chain, uh, supply chain issues, you L name lumber it, lumber issues. prices. Oh my gosh. So new construction is not part of the solution. It's part of the solution, sorry, but it's not the answer. But then also one of the really interesting parts about why the inventory is so low is because baby boomers control, they own the most inventory right now. They're aging in place longer and they're staying closer to family. So they're not retiring and flocking to Arizona or Florida. They're staying in their homes longer. Those fucking boomers, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna touch that one. The average, bo the average boomer isn't 65 yet. Oh my, are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yep. And then what's driving the demand is the millennials. Hmm. So millennials are just an insanely giant uh, hmm. generation, right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of us, um, included. They saw what their parents went through in 2008 when the market crashed, and they were scarred by that. Interesting. So they don't value home ownership. It wasn't a priority for them as much mm. in their 20s. Boomers bought houses in their 20s. Right now, the average age that a millennial buys is 32. And guess what? Last year, there was the most, the highest number of 32-year-olds mm. in the country that there's ever been. <laughs> and that's going to happen next year and the year after that yeah, and the year going. after that. I, my first house was 38. Yeah. Yep. You know, they were just... Like I said, they were scarred on what they saw. Mm. So we've got demand just, you know, we've had historically low interest rates. Yeah, dude, I think mine was like, it was 2%, 1.9%. It was insane. It's probably probably around two, just over two. Yeah, yeah, it was right there. I don't fully remember. It was right there because I think the interest rates have began to climb, right? Yep. Well, what does that indicate? So the Fed is trying to hedge inflation. That's their way of trying to control inflation that's happening right now. Raise is the interest banks? rates. Banks it's are government. trying to do it? It's the government. How does the government control what banks do? They control the interest rate. So when you hear like the Fed is raising the interest rate, that's not directly the mortgage interest rate. That's literally the interest rate on what they are loaning. 
Oh, so it, like the Federal Reserve? Correct. Oh. Yes. So that's the interest rate. Then it's like the Fed raised the interest rate. Got you. They're so just, and guess what? The government has a lot of loans. Well, at that interest rate. A lot, well, I, I do want to clarify real quick. This is nothing to do with housing or anything like that. The Federal Reserve is privately owned. It's not a part of the government. That's not a conversation we're going to have today. <laughs> but it is. It is a private entity. Yeah. But there. So the Federal Reserve is. Con, I mean, because that's the central bank, mm-hmm. and so banks get money from that bank, and so the Federal Reserve now is dictating the interest level. Correct. And that trickles down. And that trickles down. And that, and that affects keeps going, the mortgage keeps rate. Going. Yeah. So then it affects the mortgage rate. Why would they do that, though? What's the purpose? In, in to control inflation. To put a stop. To try to minimize inflation. So they're raising the interest rate to control inflation. Mm-hmm. And that's in a So what's that going to do to the market? So with the interest rates rising, that all what it does basically is it limits the buyer's ability it limits their purchasing power so if you were pre-approved last year at 2.9 percent well this year right now the interest rate's about 5.5 to 5.9 percent so if you were looking last year but didn't buy you may have been able to afford a $350,000 house at 2.9 percent now it's 5.5 percent the max house you could afford might be $50,000 less yeah so what would make the Federal Reserve keep those interest rates so low? Like, that because they were like historically low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. going into the pandemic year. I I don't think anyone's at least in my generation. I don't think we've seen interest rates that low. No, they were. If you had them on a graph, I'd pull it up. But they were historically low. I mean, they used so to be why? five, six, eighteen percent in like you know, the late nineties. So like, what's the incentive for the, the federal reserve to keep interest rates that low? Like, like why would they make them that low initially? Economy was good. Economy was boom and everything was smooth. That's all it is. Yeah. Just the economy. Yep. So they're in a sense responding to the economy. Correct. And now they're responding again yep. to control the inflation. Yep. So they lower it and then the inflation begins to go and then they raise it to stop that inflation. Yep. Is that a good thing? <laughs> Hopefully it is. I mean, you know, unfortunately, it's designed to, you know, help lower class people. And sometimes that's who it ends up not necessarily benefiting. Well, no. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it, it kind of backfires a little bit. Like ultimately, the banks are going to make their money. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> are you anticipating, uh, I mean, well, everyone's talking about the real estate bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, I think I've seen how many stories on Instagram that you've posted or on the socials. About um, it's not a bubble. It's not a bubble. And I might need those words. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but no like, one has a crystal ball. But so what is uh, a bubble? A bubble is when everyone all of a sudden is forced to sell for a loss. Like 2008? Correct. That was a bubble. People were 2008. So 2008, people were upside down in their mortgages, yeah. le- meaning literally they owed more to the bank than their house was worth. Huh. So picture you're selling your house. You're bringing a check to the closing table, not the buyer. Oh, well, the buyer is bringing a check, but it's for less. You're actually, I mean, same thing if you're trying to sell your car, but you have a loan on it and you're going to sell it on the market, you know, somebody's not going to pay you as much as you owe for it. So you got to yeah make a little bit up. So that's what was happening in 2008. Also lending, um, 
mortgages. I mean, that's that's really basically what happened is the mortgage industry collapsed. There was subprime loans that were being written. So a mm. subprime loan, meaning you could get a loan for a house in the 2008s by like literally calling a bank and saying, hey, I make like $100,000 a year. Um, can I buy a house? It was like they didn't even have to show like evidence of what they made. They, it was like a letter that they wrote to the bank basically um, that said, you know, here there was no income verification. So right now when you go through the mortgage process, it's extremely different. You know, you need to provide years of W-2s, your tax returns, your bank statements, um, pay stubs, right? So it's a lot more, way stricter. So there's no subprime loans being written right now. So those were risky loans. Yeah. So in that industry, people were betting, you know, the what happened was Wall Street, there was people taking shorting, basically, like how people are shorting Tesla. People were shorting the housing industry, mm. just realizing that it was destined to fail. Mm. And, you know, these subprime loans were the main reason of that. So... Flash, fast forward to today, we don't have subprime loans anymore. Lending is way stricter, and people have insane amounts of equity in their house. Hmm. So in Michigan, when you're talking, you know, people are like, oh, there's going to be a big wave of foreclosure soon, right? That's what everyone thinks. Well, yeah, because the, the pandemic happened two years ago. There was foreclosures. And uh, now, like, the after effects, I've, I've heard it. Yeah, there was mortgage assistance, forbearance, you know, right. you could skip a couple months and tack it on to the end of your loan. And now all that's due. Well, in Michigan, from the time you get the notice that like your loan is going to go into default or foreclosure, pre foreclosure, you have six months to sell your house. Oh, cash out, take all your equity. And you have equity in the house right yeah. now too. Yeah. Your house is worth, you know, way more than what you bought it for. Yep. You know, most likely. <laughs> um, and they can, you know, walk away with a bunch of cash put it in the bank, go rent for a year and then go buy another house. But so it's six months for the time before it goes into foreclosure, before it's going before an auction. Right. And really interesting. If it's the property is over three acres, you have 12 months. Huh. Yeah. So there's not going to be this giant wave of foreclosures because you get a notice that you're, you know, or you realize that your house is going into foreclosure you call a real estate agent, sell your house. They don't even need to know that you're in foreclosure. They might discover it in the title process, but it's just completely different than it was in 2008. Do, um, peop do people need a real estate agent to sell their house? Oh, that's a good question. Obviously, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> For sale by owner, you know, some people do it successfully. I, you know, see, I see the signs. Especially in a seller's market. Because um, I see this, the 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 Meyer signs that says for sale, for sale by owner. And it, then it has their hand written phone number in the little white box. Mm -hmm. Some people can do it. It's a lot of work. Obviously, you know, there's, so the, the real estate agent is instrumental in the selling process. You know, one of the main ways is that, you know, we carry errors and omissions insurance and we carry the liability. So if a seller, you know, fills, the form out wrong or a seller's disclosure and they don't have a rep, you know, a sales, a, a real estate agent, then they're completely responsible for, you know, anything that they may have failed to disclose or disclosed improperly on, on their sale. Um, 
you know, it's a lot of follow-up. You know, we host open houses and we getting it on the MLS. So a for sale by owner is not going to get their property on the MLS. So it's exposure. Um, it's the marketing pieces. It's the follow-up. Basically, you know, if you're doing it for sale by owner, you don't know who you're letting into your house. You have people calling you for showings. They're not verified. You don't even know if they're pre-approved. Um, there's just a whole bunch of ways that, you know, people try to do it. They think they can save money. And in the long run, there are stats that prove for sale by owners sell for significantly less than if they would have been using a real estate agent. So they think they're trying to save a few thousand dollars on that commission. And in the end, it, it doesn't happen. So they save money on the commission, but, but they, they lose money. They on the, lose on money the sale. in the sale. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, usually I'll ask for sale by owners, you know, what's the most important to you about selling on your own? Is it actually the pride of I sold my own house or is it that you want to net the most money possible? Right. And, and 99% say I want to net the most money possible. See, it, it's so funny. Like I, I would have no pride in that. Like I, <laughs> I want to be like, I know a guy. Like I, I, and I do, like, I, I I don't want to be like, I did that myself. No, I want to know somebody that can do it better than me. Right. Because I, I don't do things well. I know people that do things well. And, you know, I think the thing is people have, uh, this preconceived notion that they don't need a real estate agent. They don't understand. They haven't been shown the value. Maybe they've been burned by an agent in the past Mm. and they just think they can do it. They think it's a hot market. You know, they can throw a sign in the yard And like I said, some people can do it successfully. Plenty of people that I talk to, you know, they'll start, they'll try like a week for sale by themselves and then they'll call an agent. Yeah. Could you sell your own house? I did. I sold my own house on Instagram. Did you really? I did. So this is a fun story. Uh, So last year, Kelsey and I are looking for a house where, you know, I own a great house in Northview, which is a great school district. And it was absolutely red hot at the time. You know, we were helping buyers try to buy in this school district. So it's a school district, Northview. And we were submitting, I think, I think they lost 10 or 11 offers, you know, before they got their winning bid accepted. Um, So I knew it would sell quick. So we ended up finding this house in Rockford. It had sat on the market for like three weeks because the pitchers were terrible. They hired a listing agent to help them sell but they took pictures that were so awful. I mean, I literally looked at these pictures and I told Kelsey, like, there's no way I'm going to see this house. $335,000 house. So you said what everybody else said. Exactly. Yep. So that, that's another thing that the real estate agent can do is find you a photographer. Correct. So include high, high you know, professional photography is included so, in, in the commission. So important. So important. They listed it at 345. It was 3.2 acres in Rockford. I mean, it should have sold in the first weekend for the list price. Really? And it didn't. And they ended up dropping the price. Hmm. I think twice, maybe. Did they have a real estate agent? Or they had a real estate agent. Yep. And she was, you know, they just, the, the photos, I mean, I pull up the photos, but they were not good. And, you know, they just didn't showcase the property properly. So anyway, we go and see the house in person and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's a ranch. It's a big sprawling ranch, incredibly well-maintained. The guy, the seller was a Finnish carpenter, single guy, uh, widowed man, widower, widowed man. 
I don't know. Yeah. KB. Widowed man. So widowed, anyway. Widowed man. Widowed man. The house was in great shape, well-maintained. So I called the listing agent and I said, hey, you know, we want to put an offer in, but it's going to be contingent upon selling my house. So some people can get pre-approved to buy their house, their next house, without having to sell their first house. Sure. I was not able to. Obviously, self-employed, you know, the bank is like, hey, we gotta, you got to sell that first house before you can buy the next house. So my sale, the purchase was contingent upon selling my house. So I told the agent, I said, look, I'm going to submit this offer. It's contingent upon selling my house. It's not on the market yet. It's in Northview School Districts. I will have it sold this weekend. So I reached out on Instagram to, I think, maybe 10 or 15 different agents that I knew. And I said, hey, you know, if you've got a Northview buyer up to 225, my house is available for showings immediately off market. And I had a couple of responses. And literally two hours later, maybe there was an agent taking his clients through the house. Kelsey and I are at Costco and he calls me and he's like, yeah, you know, it's great. We're sending over an offer. Wow. $225,000, $225,000, no inspections, $10,000 appraisal gap guarantee. My gosh. What, and what is that? What's, what's appraisal gap? So the appraisal guarantee, that's um, basically that. So think about these houses are selling for so much over list price, right? So if a house is listed for $300,000 and someone puts an offer, the winning offer, say, is $375,000. Well, the lender is going to do an appraisal on that to make sure that the house is worth 375. In the case that it's not, the the buyer is basically saying up front, you know, we will bring x amount of dollars up to a certain amount to the closing table to make up the difference from the appraisal. From the appraisal. Gotcha. Yep. So if the appraisal comes back at 330, 20 grand difference, then they're going to bring in Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So the buyer that's one way. I mean, that's honestly one of the biggest ways that offers are standing out right now. So you hear about these multiple offer situations. The appraisal gap is one of the top differentiators, basically. Um, you know, when comparing offers side by side, I mean a seller might have 15 offers. They might have an offer 50 grand higher than any other offer. But they also might have another offer that's not as high. But the appraisal gap coverage or the appraisal gap guarantee that we call it is higher than the other one. And that's more attractive. It's more attractive. So literally, like when we say, you know, it's not the house doesn't always sell for the highest price. It sells for the best terms. Interesting. Yeah. So you got the 225 plus 10K uh, appraisal guarantee. Yep. And no inspections. No, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how people are waiving inspections right now. Yeah. You know, as agents, we, we don't encourage it. I was going to say, do you, <laughs> how do you, now this is up to the buyer, right? Correct. Correct. So if, if they're pushing like, Hey, we don't, we don't know if we're going to get this waive the inspections. How, how big of a push is that for a seller to pick that because of that? It's pretty big. So when you're talking about selling a house, there's only basically there's, I like to say there's two obstacles, the inspection and the appraisal, Right. If you waive the inspections, now you've just taken out one of the main roadblocks to selling your house. Now all that's left is the appraisal. And if that buyer is also offering a $50,000 appraisal gap guarantee, now you don't have to worry about the appraisal either. Mm. So it's like they've eliminated the roadblocks 
So if if an individual right now is trying to buy a house and they found their house and they have the means to do this and they know that there's other offers on the table, what you want to do is you want to go in with a decent offer but a really big appraisal gap. And then if they absolutely 100% want it, no inspections. If they're willing to do that. <laughs> if they're comfortable but saying... You, you don't necessarily recommend it. Nope. And I tend to get it in writing with gotcha. the fact that we understand we are waiving inspections to clear myself from liability down the line. Gotcha. And then I'll usually recommend that they have a home inspection done by a home inspector shortly after they move in. Gotcha. And you, you like you're the one that provides the inspector as well. Upon, I, I upon, have upon I have a few buying. that I have a few that I use, but obviously, you know, I they're welcome to use any sure. inspector. Uh you, you're the one that sets it up during the the purchase, correct? Um, I'll relay the information. Here's my inspector's name and number or the inspector. I'll give the inspector their information and they'll reach out and coordinate and schedule on their own. Gotcha. Yeah. So do, should you sell your house before buying a house right now? So back to the, it depends if you can or not. if, if you if, can. Yeah. If you have the means, let's say I, or let's say you, you had the means to, would you have sold your house before you bought the house or bought would before you, so? Yeah. Would you have bought the new house before selling? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Like, is there any, ad, ad, you know, advantage to that? I mean, like, cause there's people right now that are listening that might want to buy a new house, but they're afraid of not selling theirs or what if they buy one and they can't sell theirs? I mean, every situation is going to be different and talk to a real estate agent and get expert opinion. Where can they find a good real estate agent? Um, GR fit realtor on Instagram. Terrence O'Neill, GR Fit Realtor. Terrence O'Neill. So can, uh, is one person allowed to buy multiple houses if they only have a single income? Do you know? Um, if they can show the lender that they're is that more capable of, a, of. Is that more of, more of a lender question? Yeah. Because like I want to buy like 10 houses eventually. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, I hear that a lot. So, you know, that someone will contact me and say, hey, I want to buy an investment property. Right. And one of the first things I tell them is, Hey, to buy a second property, an investment property, you need 25% down generally, sometimes 20%, but you can't buy a second home for 5% down or 10% down. Can you use the money generated from that first home as proof of income? Proof of income? No. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I, I bought a house and it's, it's a rental house Yeah. or Airbnb. I can't, I can't show that. If you're living in that house, if you're renting that house out. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, th- and that'll play into maybe purchasing a second. But where are you living in the meantime? I don't know. Yeah. My, my yeah. van. Yeah. <laughs> my van down, down by the by river. The river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so then, you know, but then, the, so the first one is the hardest to get. The first investment property, right? Because you need that 25% down. What you can do once you own that one is you fix it up right? You rehab it, then you refinance it. It'll be refinanced based upon the updates you made. So the appraise, so the value is going to go up, right? Mm -hmm. So now you have equity in the house. You can basically take that equity and roll it over to buying your second investment property. I I could have done that instead of selling. I could have just refinanced. Refinance, but still because you would need that first one, it still had to be that 25% down. You can't use the equity from your first home to towards a second. Gotcha. I yeah. still would need that second. I yeah. still need like the 20% down. Yeah. 20, 25%. So there's, it's called the Burr method. B R R R R. Um, buy. There's five R's. Buy, rehab, 
refinance, repeat. So three R's maybe. So you're going to buy the first one. You're going to rehab it. You're going to refinance it. And then you're going to repeat basically. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, I mean, when you, that's how you get rich. That's how you get rich. You know, when you talk to people like, yeah, I own 16 rental properties. You're like what? Well, they probably started in 2008 when they were, yeah. you know, $30,000 buying houses in Grand Rapids cash. Yep. And just, you know, grew this giant portfolio of investment properties. When, when you hear an offer and they say it's, it's cash, like a cash offer, does that mean it's like they actually have the money in the bank? They're just going to give it straight to you? Yep. Really? Full cash offer. So it can close in two weeks, usually less sometimes. Yeah. It means literally 100%. What? There's no loan. There's no lender. There's no financial institution that is writing any for, portion of that home. For a real estate agent, is that a is that a good thing or an annoying thing? Is it is it great? Is it bad? Does it matter? Yes and no. Both end. So it's attractive because there's no appraisal. So if you're buying, a, so if you're the listing agent and you receive an offer all cash, there's no appraisal. Yeah. So that's pretty attractive. And it could be a two week closing versus if they're financing and taking the mortgage out, it's going to be about a 30 days to closing. So you can get your money quicker, but also you might have a, a financed offer. Someone might offer, you know, $30,000 higher but it's a loan. It's going to take 30 days to close and there's an appraisal on it. Right. So it's really seller dependent, you know, Interesting. because Pe- people that are offering cash tend to offer not as much basically as a finance, you know, they'll, they'll offer list price or maybe, you know, a little over list price, but not a whole lot. I don't know. Sometimes. I don't know if you remember, uh, I'm sure you do. When we were the last days uh, of my house, like we got the one offer and it was right at listing price. And then like the next day we got an offer over lift over listing price. And it was only like $5,000 more. Yeah. And I remember that real estate agent was coming through looking at the property for the people. I believe they were down in Texas mm-hmm. and um, they were offering over, but basically I told you to tell them, be like, if they want this house, they need to make it really attractive to me in order for me to take their offer because I had 285 and it was going to close in 30 days. These people coming from Texas, it was contingent on selling their house. They hadn't even listed it yet. And so we were looking at like another 30 days, probably it could have been like a 60 day wait. And then they offered five grand more. And I was like, no, not for 5,000. If you want this house, you, you need to make it attractive. And I was like, Oh, $5,000. Go back to Texas. I remember that. And that agent was not happy (laughs) because she thought she was going to get it. I was like, no, yeah, like, no, get your measly five G's out of here. I'm a high roller now. (laughs) So like taking, like thinking about that. Um, well, actually I had a, I had a weird question. Like what's negotiable in the pricing? Everything, everything, everything is commission negotiable. Yes. Really? Yes. It, like closing costs? No. No. Closing costs are fixed. <laughs> Everything in the sale of a home, any of the terms usually, anything, possessions, stuff in the house. So you can really wield that that offer as, as much as you want. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. In terms of furniture or possessions or anything like that, um, pretty much anything is negotiable. So what's the path that a, that an agent takes? Like you're four years in, 
like at a corporate ladder, you know, you think about a corporate job, you work your way, you know, start low and work your way higher. Ultimately you're the CEO one day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the path that a, an agent takes? Mm. Because you've kind of, you went from a company where uh, like, I, I mean, without saying too much, it, they take a percentage of your commission because you're new and then hopefully yep. you lateral over to an, a, a broker that doesn't take as much or like, how does that work? I mean, can you become a broker yourself or? So to become a broker, you have to have three years of experience minimum. Okay. And so yeah. you're there. Now I am. Yeah. Now you are. Yeah. But if you're, you're asking terms of a new agent starting. Yeah. Like, yeah. so the general, you know what, there's nothing general, obviously there's no, this is the path you must follow. It's, you know, up to the agent kind of what they want to do. So what you're talking about, what I did is I joined a team, right? A large team in the area. And they helped you. They helped you. They provide leads, right? So I didn't have to depend entirely on my database gotcha. for all my leads. In return, I pay them a nice hefty split of that commission. After a couple of years, most people that join a team feel like, you know, they're comfortable, like, hey, I can do this on my own. I can find my own leads. I don't need to give up how much ever my paycheck anymore. Sure. Um, and then, so yeah, I joined a different brokerage after that. So I had my second brokerage, which was the complete opposite. I mean, it was a hundred percent commission. So I didn't pay really anything to the broker other than a transaction fee which was a flat fee no matter what the sale price of the house was. That's quite the deal, dude. It was a very, very attractive deal. Um, you know, when you think about it, though, you're not giving that broker, they're not making anything off of you, right? They're making a little bit of money. Sure. So they can't give you anything in return. There's no leads. There's no support. There's no help. No marketing. You know, everything that I was doing was on my own. So I was dependent upon my, my sphere of business my friends, family, and people that refer me and, you know, anything else was on my own, which was great for, you know, two years. Since, uh, you know, just a couple months ago, we joined EXP Realty and their model is it's a 20% commission split. So the agent keeps 80 and the um, brokerage, you pay a 20% commission split, but they give you so much value in return. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's for another time. But so, you know, kind of looked at it, you know, of, hey, if I want to grow my business and not just depend on, you know, the people that I know right now for my business, if, you know, the things that they could provide me for that commission split outweighed the money that I was going to be paying them. So I was getting, I'm getting the value, right? You're paying the brokerage and they're giving you plenty in return. So where do you want to go from here? What do you want to do? So, you know, one of the goals is to eventually also buy Airbnbs and some short-term rental properties. Um, one of the really nice benefits of working with EXP is that you can be licensed in multiple states oh. and not have to pay um, cap or commission, yeah. um, a double commission. So you pay, it's called your cap, right? So you pay in 20% of your commission until a certain number, until $16,000, right? Once you pay in $16,000, then you keep 100% of your commission. Oh, shoot. So if you do really well, yeah, you end up doing really, really well. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the average sale price, you probably have to sell about four or five houses at the average sale price until you're, until you're capping and then you're 
back to getting 100% of your commission. That's awesome. It's a pretty good model. It's a all virtual cloud-based brokerage. So like we're in, it's called the world. It's like internet 3.0, like avatars. So, so like th- there's no physical locations. There's no physical locations. It's a worldwide company. <laughs> there's, they're expanding. I think that we just went into Dubai like a couple months ago, which really? insane, you know, market over there. What would it be like to become an international broker? Have you thought about that? Um, every market is so different. So I've talked to like agents in Spain and everything. And like the way real estate runs is just so different. Like so wild. Like, yeah. Like you're like, what? (laughs) Um, but yeah. So like if we want to go there, so, you know, one of the things, these giant brokerages, like one of the biggest liabilities they own are these physical buildings. Like, you know how much they're paying, like they own them. They're paying leases and rents on these buildings. So they have so much of their money tied up. I never even thought about that. You know, it's just like McDonald's, like the biggest amount, the biggest generator of income for McDonald's is they own the real estate. Yeah, it's the real estate. All their franchisees pay them. Yeah, I don't even think McDonald's owns a single no. physical building. It's all, I think, it, isn't that what it is? McDonald's owns the most real estate in the nation? Yeah, yeah exactly. So EXP has no physical locations. And sure, they're the so opposite. all, yeah, so all that, so they distribute all this money. There's, you know, one of the amazing parts is it's called revenue share. So they basically give you back a certain percentage of their revenue, right? So for every sale you get, or if you recruit another agent on to the team, right? There is a structure, some might call a pyramid scheme, but it's revenue share. You are not taking money out of anybody else's pockets. The company is sharing money from the top down. So if I bring on an agent and they begin to produce, I get a certain percentage. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really attractive. You know, that's one of the, you know, there's five, basically there's five pillars of the company. Mm. And that was one of the main attractive ones for me for making the switch. But you know, if we want to go and like ask our broker a question, we log on to this world and it's avatars and literally like everything is done through avatars and there's someone, you know, just on call waiting. Avatar? The, yeah. Is it yeah. like a whole person avatar? Is it like it's whole person. Yeah. That's so wild. And you can just kind of talk. Um, I'm just going to launch it here real quick. Oh, this is so cool. Expo world, EXP world. EXP world. So this is a metaverse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dude, and they've been building this for, I think, like an insane, like years and years. So dude, they, so in terms get, of technology, they, you know, the company is way ahead. This of is everybody else. wild. Dude, you need to get Oculus, the, the, the virtual reality and like look around in the, in the metaverse once you're there. That's what. I mean, there's so many fun things to do. I think one day we were just driving around. I think we found a boat. In, in the metaverse in the metaverse and like you know it says like click to get in boat and like we jumped in the boat and just like started just ran you know just flying around this, this so metaverse hold here oh, oh my gosh so here i am dude this is like second world so you have to like physically well physically virtually physically walk yep into exp world meters like these are where the meetings are happening there's just I'm looking for the boat. I think I see the water. This is wild. I had no yes, idea that this, <laughs> that this existed. Get out of So this was all generated. Yeah. Like there's literally people in here. You can see who's in here. Well, think about the implications about how much this can reset the boats. Oh my gosh. 
This is click to sit. Click to sit. And now, click, click to click drive. To drive. <laughs> oh my gosh! You can drive a whoa, boat. Whoa. Can you it's supposed, can, supposed to be working? Can right you crash now, and yeah. can you crash and, and like die? Mm, <laughs> nope, it's like bumper boats. It's like bumper boats. Oh, but I can go out into the open ocean. My, this is the most wild thing I've ever seen when it comes to real estate because this is this is like the fa- like this is like Facebook Meta. Yeah. But for real estate. Yeah. So we actually also use Workplace, which is owned by Facebook. My gosh. But yeah, there's all, oh, that's Jay Shetty. Let's say who, yeah, who, who is that? I saw a face. That's wild. Like, so you literally go into this world and meet, like have a meeting where the three of you are all standing or five people are standing and you're talking to each other, but it's you talking what I'm guessing into, into your computer, into your microphone, yep. into your microphone and you can hear these other people. That's so you can be anywhere. Yep. This is absolutely wild. You know, they, so technology obviously is one of their big things. I mean, they've pumped a lot of money into this, but you know, just talking about, you know, so it's a brokerage that's definitely thinking long-term, you know, I don't envision myself switching brokerages after this place. My gosh, this is absolutely wild. I, hadn't, I didn't even know this thing. There's a little map in the corner. Look, it's a little legend. It shows everything. This is so, oh, so are, are those other blue triangles, are those people that are in the workplace? Yeah, I think so. Oh Surprisingly, there's only 11 people on the campus right now. Interesting. It is, and, and that's world, well, I mean, it's Saturday. Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess around the world, it's, it's a lot later in other places around the world. Right. Around the world. The EXP world. Yeah, the EXP world. Didn't think we were going here, but I like it. Yeah, I got Atlanta. Oh, I, I see all the different. This is absolutely wild. So now you have, uh, like, you, uh, dude, you, you're starting to promote yourself uh, through EXP. Um, you are a sponsor at a couple of events coming up here in Michigan yep. this summer. Yep. So, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, like you said, how do I get, more business. Um, can you write another beer, please? Thank you. Um, so one of the gyms, you know, where we used to work out at CrossFit Luminary um, is doing an awesome event coming up. They're partnering with Eighth Day Gym, another local CrossFit, um, not CrossFit, just functional fitness gym here in Grand Rapids, Luminary also. So it's not even a CrossFit competition. So we can't use those words. Yep. Um, fitness, functional fitness events coming up um saturday may 21st there it should be really cool they're going to start they're doing two workouts at luminary fitness in the morning and then moving up everything then downtown to eighth day gym to do two more workouts so it'll be a competition style competition style charity fundraiser workout uh, benefiting willie windy willow foundation and the phoenix Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so the Windy Willow Foundation is a local nonprofit. Um, They gear all their efforts towards mental health and mental health awareness, which is appropriate because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And then the Phoenix, who is focused on sobriety, Mm -hmm. um, they run a great program. I mean, you know, it's it's all over the country. Yeah, I know Dan Post is really involved with that. Yep, Dan is great. Um, So, yeah, it's... uh, you can drop in. I think they do free classes, and I think one of the their require the only requirement is like you have to be sober for forty eight hours. I think, yeah. So those are two um, the beneficiaries of the Illuminate the Day contest. So I'm going to be there with an Echo bike. 
Oh, geez. Doing contests for the spectators. For those who don't know what an echo bike is, it is one of the single worst piece of cardio equipment ever created. Yep. Uh, where you pedal with your arms and legs at the same time. And you think, oh, that's like what your grandma used to ride. No, nope. this is, it's terrible. Yep. So and doing what, some giveaways for one minute max effort calories on the bike. A minute. A minute. Yeah. It's a long time. I probably I, cut it down. Maybe I'm no, it needs to be a minute. A minute's long. I, so I've, I did, <laughs> I've done a minute max effort. It was uh early, early, early on in my CrossFit career. I want to say like 2015 uh, at the very first gym. I remember walking in and the workout was one minute max effort calories on the old, uh, bikes. well, it was the air dines, like oh, gosh, super yeah. old ones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was one minute max effort rest 10 minutes, one minute max Do effort. Again. And I remember looking at that. I'm like, this is the stupidest workout I've ever seen. I'm working up for two minutes today. I've, I, I've never thrown up so hard in my life. I, and I mean, it was, I, I, it was like half a day for me to recover from that, from two minutes of working out. So people are going to experience that <laughs> as they're spectating. As, so as the, the, not for the athletes. Nope. Not for the so, athletes. So anyone listening can do this. Yep. What, what, uh, what are you giving away? Do you know yet? Rogue gift cards, my typical go-to. What rogue, else would I give away? That's sick. I'm going to do it then. My closing gifts are always rogue <sighs> gift cards. Who if my clients come from I'm CrossFit, you've gotten a couple of those. I have. I'm not going to do that. Get out of here. <laughs> I, I, I would probably, I don't know, maybe, on the Echo Bike, maybe 30 calories. Maybe 35. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm in the middle of a workout and just on a bike for a minute, it's like, 12, 15 calories. <laughs> 12, 12 in a minute is good in the middle of a workout. But if I'm fresh, yeah, nothing fresh. else going on, full send, it's like maybe 30 calories and I, my afternoon is ruined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, I can't do anything else for the day. Oh my gosh. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch people do that. Yeah. Honestly. So that's luminate the day, May 21st. And that's then- cool, man. That's cool that you're doing that. It's cool that you're getting involved in the community uh, giving back to things that matter because I mean, ultimately that's, that's what this is all about. Anyways, like we can have fun and sell houses, but you know, giving back and, and doing good on this planet is really what it's all about. Yep. So that's cool, man. That's where so we cool. got that. And then fresh coast games, that's going to be fun. Fresh coast games in July on Pier Marquette, Pier Marquette beach. I always forget to say that Pier Pier Marquette beach in Muskegon two day competition. Um, RX division and scale division. So they go on separate days. Going to be out there both days. And that is a CrossFit competition, right? Officially across CrossFit I think Muskegon. it is. CrossFit Muskegon. Yep. So they, they use the words. Yep. That's a big event. There's a lot of teams that come out to that. Yeah. And it's on the beach. All the workouts are outside, obviously. Some swimming events. Dude, we have some of the hottest temperatures right now on record in Michigan. It is May. What's the day today? May 14th. Mm-hmm. And yesterday we broke records. I mean, it was like 11 days ago I was waking up and it was 39 degrees. <laughs> yesterday we broke record temperatures. I think in GR it was like 93. 90, yeah. And broke temperatures. Do you <laughs> I can't even imagine projecting out to July how hot it's going to be this year. That swim is going to feel good. It it I did, so I did um yeah, I did the swim in 2017. Uh, I did, well, I did the competition 20, I've only done it once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it in 2017 and I, I'm a former Coast Guard. I've, I have a good swimming background. Like I, I pride myself in not in like fast, but like I'm a strong swimmer. Like I can get out there and swim with the best of them. There was something about that day 
and it was, I, I remember it was, you had to do 20 overhead lunges with like that water jug thing. Um, it, it was like the new, oh, yeah. they were, they were like promoting this new weightlifting, the newest fitness, something, I don't know what it was, but it, they were promoting it and it would like the water would slosh, which would make it a little harder to move around or whatever. I think the thing weighed 50 pounds or 40 pounds and you had to do 20 overhead lunges and then you, you do a 200 meter swim, hundred meter swim, whatever it was, you sprint out and the first half is just like waist high and you're just high jumping, high, high knees running. The water was so cold that it physically like shocked my system and took my breath away. And I started hyperventilating and almost had to be rescued. <laughs> Here I am like former Coast Guard and I'm like, <laughs> like gasping. And like, I, I was the first one in the water. I was like, fuck yeah, well, let's go. I'm like crushing it. Our team's gonna do so well. Last one out of the water. <laughs> the, and I mean, like it wasn't even, it, it, it was like 50 yards behind everybody oh, else. You couldn't I, pay me to do the swim. I felt so bad, dude. I, it, Cause it's not a real swim. It's kind of like a jump, 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 run, 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 high knees, high knees. And then like those, swim, it's like you do a, a dive bit. and then stand up and dive and stand up. And yeah, like heart, I redlined so hard. Oh. And it was just, I, I never recovered after that. And I felt so bad because I think it was uh, a buddy of mine, Andy, had the, it was a quick 10 front squats and then like an 800 meter run after that. And he was dead last. <laughs> we were dead last thanks to me. Oh, it was so bad. But uh, so you're going to be there both days. Yeah. Not, I don't think I'm competing. It's not 100% yet. Who? Oh, you might compete. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, you've done that before though, right? Yeah. Yep, did it in 2019, I think. Yeah. Are you competing at Luminate? No. Luminate, I'm just going to be spectating and holding down the booth. There's a team at Rogue River. They have a team of three. Oh, that's cool. And, and that's your home them, gym, right? Right. One of them has a baby. We just had a baby this year, so he's unsure. Okay. So I'm on standby Ooh, so you're for right. RX division. <laughs> that's going to be fun. Mi- they just missed the podium last year by one spot. Oh. Um, it's the owner... And another guy, and yeah, they are just absolute beasts and units. And uh, you know, I just like hopefully if there's anything body weight I can keep up. But the guy that I'm re- might be replacing has a bench of like 400 pounds. So <laughs> hopefully there's not a bench. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm gonna do it just yet. Oh, dude, that'll be fun. I, I mean, honestly, like I I I I go back and forth with competing anymore because I'm like at the point in my life I'm just like I feel like my body is falling apart and scale for life right (laughs) well I mean it was like when I first got into CrossFit like after that first year it was so empowering I'm like I'm 35 years old and I feel like I can do things again so I wanted to go to every competition yeah and I did that for like one year and now my body is it hurts just all the time and now I'm like ah I don't really want to compete anymore I love supporting though yeah I don't want to compete but I'm like Glad that um, my fitness is still improving. So I'm 39, going to be 40 in a couple weeks, and just hit a lifetime snatch PR last week. How much? What would you 205. Hit? Dude, above two bills. 205, yeah. That's so sick, dude. I did 200 a couple years ago, and then I thought I did 205 a couple years. I thought I did 205 like two weeks later, and I think I went and reviewed the footage, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's just 200 on the bar. 200 on the bar. Well, dude, 205. 205. That's huge, man. Yep. I have I'm nowhere I'm nowhere nowhere near that. I think I think I hit like a one sixty five snatch a long time ago, and I was my shoulders just that was good. Yeah, aren't, aren't good for it. Yeah. You know. Um. So th- when is the Fresh Coast? 
That's a great question. Sometime in July. <laughs> a weekend in July. Go to Instagram, grfitrealtor, and there will be information there. Right. I'm positive. Yep. Soon. Um, well, dude, you got anything else? You got any rapid fire questions? Oh, do you want some rando questions? I got some random shit on here. We'll go for a couple minutes longer. All right. I got, I got super random questions here. Uh, one through 19, pick a number. 16. 16. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Saw? Nope. 13. <laughs> you don't even want to talk about that, nope. do you? How, you don't do well with like horror? scary movies. I couldn't tell you the last scary movie I saw in a theater. Really? Probably Scream. I saw I saw one. Scream. <laughs> like the original Scream? Yeah, it was a great movie. Dude, that that terrified me. Do, mm-hmm. do you see the new ones coming that's out? Why I don't, that's why I haven't seen anything since. Because <laughs> it, it was real. Like, all, that all the, mask? All, mm. all the movies that were like, you know, it was like Chucky. Like dolls coming up to that point, and all of a sudden they made a real movie of like somebody just coming and killing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that terrified me. Phone calls. Yeah. What's yeah. number 13? Lucky number, <laughs> lucky number 13. Uh, do you believe in any conspiracies? No. You don't believe in like the Denver airport conspiracy? No. I don't know what that is. So no. No, nothing? Area 51, that's not a conspiracy. It exists. (laughs) 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 KB just ran into the light. Uh, Besides Area 51, no no other conspiracies, huh? Nope. Uh, All right. Pick pick one more. Then we'll roll. 11. 11. Uh, Who is the most important person in your life? Mm. Gosh, that's a good question. Who is the most important person in my life? Um, I don't know about most important person, but I'll go a different route with it and say, you know, a person that I look at that significantly changed the course of my life. Okay. How's that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, you can answer it. Um, my first CrossFit coach. Really? Yeah. At CrossFit 516, Tyler McBride. Um, you know, I just, I was new to CrossFit and I was new to the community aspect of it all. And he was a young guy at the time running this gym. And yeah, I just watched like members interact with him and the way he would interact with the community. And that was like, I want that. I want to do that someday. And he also had stressed to me, like, you know, don't rush out and get your level one at that time. Because mm. this was like 2012, 2013, when the level one was just like, everyone joked about it. It was just like a $1,000 t-shirt, right? You go for the weekend, yeah. pass a test, and you're coaching. And then, you know, he had just, you know, put more emphasis on the role of a coach and how important a coach is. And it's not something that, you know, you just go out and get your level one and then come back to your gym and start coaching classes. Yeah. So with that in mind, you know, I never really rushed out to go get my level one because I had that in mind. And then when I was at Luminary in like 2015 and I had begun coaching classes actually before I got my level one and I just, you know, the level one has changed over the years, obviously, and it's now like a really great weekend um it's just way more in depth and you know i started to see i wanted to improve my coaching so you know went and got the level one but you know crossfit has been finding crossfit and the journey that i've been on with 
the community at every different gym. You know, I've obviously traveled a lot and dropped into different gyms and just experienced so many different coaches, so many different communities. And, you know, I still, to this day, compare every class and every coach that I've ever been into CrossFit 516 and to Tyler. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time, dude. I hope I taught you a little something about real estate. Dude, it's, it, this was long overdue anyways. Uh, where can everyone find you? Uh, Instagram is the place where I go hardest, Realtor, And soon to be on YouTube, but maybe this might be the first thing up on YouTube. Yeah, that'd be cool. Other right. than our property. Are doors. you going to launch a podcast? Uh, yeah, after this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was it. This was the this trial, was, huh? This was the tester. Yep. That's cool, man. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming Thank on, Thank you, dude. man. Appreciate it. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.